Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. Truth is a hard commodity to find these days. In this sermon, we hear what Jesus and the Bible have to say about finding, telling, and living the truth. You're listening to Going Deeper, Simply Yes or No, by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. These are words from the Sermon on the Mount as we continue our sermon series on Jesus' famous sermon. We call the series Growing Deeper, and for you visitors, that's because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is always taking um, rules and just the surface of rules, the bare obedience to rules, And he's pushing underneath them to the heart of the rule, to the spirit of the rule. And we've heard him do that already in two really important areas, in the area of our anger and in the area of our sexuality, our um, our sex drives. And today we're going to hear him do that in the area of truth and truth telling. Now, the other two areas, Jesus quoted one of the Ten Commandments before he started talking. He's not going to quote uh, a Ten Commandment here. He's going to quote a couple of lesser commands from the Old Testament. But I think you will see that those lesser commands are in orbit around commandment number nine, which is you shall not bear false witness. So let's listen as Jesus pushes us deeper in the issue of truth. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. We need to talk about truth. We need to talk about loving it, seeking it, protecting it, preserving it. And we need to talk about truth because We stopped watching truth in our society, and now we cannot find it. Truth is far from us. And that's a problem, not a small problem. It's an enormous problem. This is not just an annoyance. It's a catastrophe. It's extremely dangerous. And you see this crisis most clearly in the way that we talk about some of the issues of the day. And I'm the election, what happened on November 2nd, and the pandemic. All of us have been in conversations about these two subjects over the last few months where we're talking to someone else with whom we disagree. We're talking about the pandemic, what's at the center of it, and what we need to do to get over it. Or we're talking about the election and what happened and what's really going on. And we're talking to this person and we realize that we don't agree. But more than that, we are in utter disagreement. 
There is no point of contact between our versions of reality. It's like we live in two different fact universes, two different truth universes, and we can't find any common ground on which we agree by which to move forward. It didn't used to be that way. I mean, we've always disagreed about things like politics and, and the issues of the day. But when we disagreed, there were things about which we disagreed, but then there was this center, there was this, this, this other common reserve of things that we did agree on. And on that, that common reserve, we could, we could move forward, we could stand together, we could plan a future. But nowadays, it seems like we are utterly separated into silos of belief. It's partly because of the way information has changed in our society. It wasn't so very long ago, within my lifetime, that there were relatively few information streams, places where you got your facts, okay? There were three major television networks, and they all had an evening news program, and an enormously high percentage of people watched the same programs every night to get their information. There were maybe two or three news magazines that people went to. There was a local paper, a couple local television stations. There were some national papers, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and you knew they had different editorial slants. But these were your information streams. And we, we were drinking from the same streams. We had these facts that we shared together. Today, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of information streams. And it's a marketplace. All these information streams are in competition for clicks, for attention, so they can stay in business. And if you're in competition for clicks and attention, what are you rewarded for? Sensation. Something a little bit more to the extreme. If you give something sensational in a headline, if you give something a little bit more extreme, you get eyes, you get clicks. Careful discernment of the truth in-depth reporting that looks at the nuances of issues, that is not rewarded in our information marketplace. What is rewarded is breaking news and loud punditry. Extreme voices get our attention and our clicks. And so we're pushed to extremes, and then what happens is that the way the internet is constructed, it steers us there. Because if you click a couple of times on something sensational, on something extreme, the internet says, aha, I know what Peter likes. And they start feeding you more of that. And pretty soon you're going down the path and we're in this situation where everybody is in their own truth silo and we have completely different versions of reality. How do we get back to common ground? Let me be clear. I'm not blaming the media here. The media is not the problem. We're the problem. We're the ones who've exchanged the hard discipline of truth for the cotton candy of sensation. We are the ones who've tolerated people who spin the truth and bend the truth if they're speaking something that we like to hear, if they're fighting for our team. We've allowed people to bend the truth and get away with it because they were on our side, and now we're reaping the consequences. And the Bible does not sanction such a thing. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible is so strong that we are to be people who seek the truth, who preserve it, who fight for it, who love it. We don't just sort of assume it will be happening, we fight for it. 
That's the spirit of what Jesus is saying here in this part of the sermon. Jesus is calling us to be people who have a deep commitment to the truth that goes all the way down to our hearts. People who practice truth disciplines. We attend to the truth like a marathon runner would attend to their training before a marathon. We discipline ourselves to it. We seek it. Jesus says, don't play truth games. When you talk to other people, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't swear by the heavens. Don't swear by the earth. In fact, don't swear oaths at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no and tell the truth. No games. The people in Jesus' day were playing games with the truth. And what they would do is that they would swear by different things, different parts of God's creation. And depending upon which part of God's creation you sweared upon, you took an oath upon that thing, you had different levels of commitment to your promise. So if you swear by the name of God, that's serious. You better keep that promise if you swear by the name of the Lord. But if you swore by heaven, even though that sounds serious, I swear by heaven I'm telling the truth according to the ways that the scribes and the Pharisees measured these things, you had a little wiggle room, a little bit of a loophole. You know, maybe you didn't have to keep that promise. It's exactly the sign of games that eight-year-olds play, right? I swore, but I didn't pinky swear. You dared me, but you didn't double-dog dare me. It is exactly those sorts of games. In Matthew 23, Jesus goes a little deeper on these kind of games, and he shows a, even a more specific example. That's the passage where he's challenging the Pharisees. It's one of, their wo- one of the woes he says against the Pharisees. And he's angry at the Pharisees. He calls them blind guys because what they're doing is that they were saying, if you swear by the temple, you don't have to keep your oath. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, then you have to keep your oath. And Jesus says, you blind guides. What's more important, the gold of the temple or the temple which makes the gold sacred? This is ridiculous. Stop playing those games. And in our passage, he says, besides, it's all God's stuff. If you swear by your head, if you swear by the temple, if you swear by Jerusalem, all that stuff belongs to God. So it's all God's stuff. So whenever you're swearing by anything, you're swearing by the name of the Lord. So you know what? Don't even swear an oath at all. Just tell the truth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now when Jesus says to his disciples and to us, don't take any oaths, don't swear any oaths, he really is going deeper. Because if you read the Old Testament law, it's really clear that you were allowed to swear oaths. The Old Testament lets you swear an oath. Numbers 30 verse 2. When a person takes an oath to obligate themselves by a pledge, they must not break their word. So you're allowed to take an oath, just don't break your word. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. So Jesus is doing something pretty radical here. The Old Testament law said you could do it. Jesus says, you know what? No. Because why do people ask you to take an oath in the first place? You're only asked to take an oath because people don't trust you to tell the truth. You're asked to take an oath in a situation where someone is not completely sure they can rely on you. 
And so as Jesus says, don't take any oaths at all. Instead, be the kind of person who is so full of integrity, so full of honesty, so committed to the truth that no one would ever dream that you were lying. They won't ask you to take an oath because they understand that you are a person of such deep heart integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In a society that has lost track of the truth and where everybody's spinning everything and everyone's shading the truth for personal advantage and for power, Jesus calls us to be, calls me to be, calls you to be people of such deep integrity and commitment and discipline to the truth that when you say yes and no, they will know that this is honest and coming from your heart. Now, I can hear some of you saying, yes, of course. This is exactly the kind of person I want to be. I want to be honest and truthful all the way down to the center of my heart. I want to speak the truth. But Peter, my problem is, I'm not even sure I know what's true anymore. I'm surrounded by so many different stories, by so many experts who tell me so many different things. I don't know who to believe. I could be lying. I could be passing on untrue things and not even know it. I could mean to tell the truth and I could be telling a lie. The Bible can help us here too. In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament and in his laws, God gives his people a lot of good ways to find their way to the truth, to discern the truth and distinguish it from lies. And I'm going to give three of them. These are like truth disciplines that we can practice today. Discipline number one, be self-suspicious. Don't be overconfident of your ability to know the truth. Believe that you could be wrong. 2 Timothy 4 says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, maybe you've heard that passage before. I've heard it quoted many times. I'll say this. Every single time I've heard that passage quoted, it's quoted by someone who's pointing at someone else. Right? Those people need to hear what Paul is saying here because they're just listening to false teachers and they're following their itching ears. They're just hearing what they want to hear. I see the truth plain and clear. All those other people are suffering from confirmation bias. Here is the truth. We all have itching ears. We all listen with less discretion and critique when someone is telling us what we want to hear, we all become deeply skeptical when someone tells us that goes against what we already believe. We all have itching ears. First John 1 says, if we say we do not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Be self-skeptical. Don't for a minute believe that you have all the answers. Second discipline of truth. Listen to those who are trustworthy, who have a track record of telling the truth. Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. As you look for the truth, think about sources and people and media outlets who have a history of being trustworthy. 
As you consume media, as you go to places where you, you learn what you think is the truth, ask yourself, what is the history of this place? Do they have a long history of saying things that are true? Do they have high journalistic standards? Do they have a journalistic ombudsman who facts checks for them? Whatever you think of their editorial slant, a publication like the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times have a long history of reporting, and over the history of their reporting, the things are largely true. What's the history of the website where you're getting your information? What are their journalistic practices? Do they fact check? Do they go back to their sources? If they get something wrong, do they publish a retraction? Or do they just pretend that it never happened? Look for trustworthy sources as you spread and seek the truth. Third discipline. Deuteronomy 17, verses 6 and 7, has this rule for, for uh, court cases in Israel. It says, you can't convict someone on the testimony of just one witness. You can only convict someone in Israel if there's at least two or better three witnesses. Sources. Sources. You need to have multiple sources. It's ancient wisdom that still applies today. If a story that you're reading that's telling you some version of reality has only one source, and if that source is unnamed, how reliable is it? Are there two sources? Are there three sources? Are the sources themselves reliable? The Bible had an enormously high standard for witnesses. Not just that there were three of them, but those witnesses had to have integrity. In fact, Scripture says, if you were a witness in a trial, and the person that you were witnessing against was convicted, you had to partake, you had to participate in the punishment of that person. So, if it was a capital trial, if you were a witness in a trial that led to the death penalty, you had to throw the first stone. And, to further protect the integrity of witnesses, if it was proven that you were a false witness in a trial, the punishment of the person you were accusing, the punishment that would have befallen the person you were accusing, would then be the punishment that was inflicted on you. So again, if it was a capital trial, and you bore false witness, what was your punishment? Think about that before the next time you repost something that you read online. Self-suspicion, trustworthy sources, multiple witnesses. These are all biblical things, simple things that all of us can practice because all of us are susceptible to our itchy ears. All of us are tempted to believe things that support what we already believe, and in so doing, we suppress the truth. One more thing I need to say. Even if we all practice these disciplines, Let's admit, and I think we know this, that we still won't all agree, right? We could all practice these disciplines, and I think we will still profoundly disagree with other people in this room about some things. Which brings us to the last discipline of truth. As Christian people, truth is not something, finally, that we find. Truth is something that finds us. As Christian people, we seek the truth, but in the ultimate end of things... The truth seeks us, and he finds us, and he picks us up. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
It's to him that we look as the starting point and the ending point of our truth search. We don't understand the way. We don't know how to navigate the stuff of life, but he does, so we follow him. We don't have all the answers, but he does, so we listen to him and his word. We don't even understand our own hearts. Never mind figuring out what's going on out there. We don't even understand ourselves sometimes, but he knows us, and so we give him our hearts. And we don't know how to make the truth shine in this world. We don't know how to untangle truth from error so that truth reigns in this world. But he does, and he will untangle truth from error. So we give the future to him, and we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And this last point is particularly important. Jesus has promised that even though we struggle to find the truth, that in him, truth will reign on this earth. He will short out truth from error. Parable of the wheat and the weeds. We cannot sort the wheat from the weeds in this world. We have to wait till the Lord comes back to do this. If we think it's up to us to sort the truth out ultimately in this life, that's what leads to things like re-education camps and genocide and extremism. As Christian people, we give the future to our Lord. We know that he will discern all things and we say, come Lord Jesus, our future belongs to you. Amen. Lord, in this sermon, you push us um, to deep places into hard places, Lord. When we listen to you, we realize how far we have to go and how little we understand. But you, even as, as you show us, um, and even as you challenge us with, with, with these places and these, these hard things in our life, you give us this eternal promise that in you, we shall be saved and all things shall be made new. So Lord, we, we take refuge in your promises today. We hold on to you. We follow you. We kneel at your feet. And we ask that you will give us strength to go out into this world yet again and to be people of truth. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.